0: Some uh, special treats that, that you get growing up uh, in the place where I did in in Texas. Um, there's a lot of good things. We had um, the Rangers where we could go watch. The Dallas Cowboys back when they knew how to win a game. We had Six Flags. Uh, we had Wet and Wild. We had all these different things that we could do. But really, one of my most favorite memories growing up was going to eat at Poncho's has anybody heard of Poncho's before okay has anybody eaten at Poncho's this okay how many people think like that is the greatest place to eat in the world all right thank you you are the truth thank you so much y'all really the ones dear to my heart Poncho's for those of you who didn't know It's the lowest class of of Mexican food that you can get. And and what we would always say going into ponchos was, it was about the quantity, not the quality of the food. And what made ponchos so special was the fact that there was a little flag that they had on every table. Uh, And after you would go through the buffet line and get as much food as you could fit on your plate, when you were ready for some more, you would literally raise the flag you would just kind of it was you'd raise the flag and it would come up and that was the cue for the waitress to come by and give you more flautas cheese enchiladas rice beans and then of course at the very end soap with honey and it was just a great memory and and our family we just it was three boys and and we got to pick where we wanted to eat when it was our birthday and for some reason we always chose ponchos Um, later on, just a few years later, uh, a few years ago, uh, when we first uh, started having issues with, with COVID, I had a friend send me this, this picture, this meme that says, if you've eaten at Poncho's, you're immune to COVID. I mean, like it just, like it just, it, it just completely changes your digestive system and you'll never be the same. That's, I had many fond memories of eating there at Poncho's but my favorite memory the the meal that I never will forget had didn't have really great food but it was a very special dinner and I want to show this a first picture that we have up here this is 773 East North 12th Street that's in Abilene Texas um, that is uh, the place where I spent nine months of my life. That is the, the house uh, that I stayed in with, with two other guys. We were roommates. There were three of us. Uh, this is in Abilene, Texas, and I was in my senior year uh, at ACU. Um, it was a three-bedroom, one bath. Um, back then, it was older than dirt. They've obviously redone it a little bit, but, man, it was it was a rough house. Um And we paid $450 per month for that place, total. So it was 150 a person for us to stay in that place. Uh, And I still don't know if we got a good deal on that now that I look back on it. But I can remember that place and I remember my good friends, uh, Tobe, Tobe Phillips and Scott Fletcher. And for those of you who are baseball fans, that's not the Scott Fletcher from the Rangers. He was, he was a little bit before that. But the three of us, um, we we hung out together, and we had a lot of, of really great times. Now, I did a little bit of calculations, uh, and, and technically, during that nine-month stay, there would have been about 800 hundred meals that would have passed during that nine-month span, but honestly, I'm not going to lie, I skipped breakfast most of the time. That that gave me an extra 20 minutes of sleep. I ate most of my lunches in in the Bean, which was the cafeteria at ACU, Uh, and I really don't even remember eating very many meals in that house, except for one. Again, like I said, it was our senior year, and we decided we wanted to do something a little different, and Tobe had this great idea. He said, hey, why don't we call up uh, Royce Money and ask him if he wants to come eat dinner with us? Now, I don't know if you know Royce Money, but at the time, he was the the president uh, of ACU. He was the the 10th president. He would go on to serve 19 years in that role, and he was absolutely beloved there in Abilene, especially at ACU. He and his wife, Pam, were just very special people. In fact, let's go ahead and go to this next picture. This is years later when they were being honored. Uh, Royce and, and Pam uh, are just super special people and and they even have a connection with Hobbs and and Scotty Holloman And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but uh, they're just really special people And so Tobe said hey, why don't why don't we call Royce money and ask him if he wants to come have dinner with us? At 773 East North 12th Street in that hole of a house with the dogs in the backyard, and we had more mice than you could possibly imagine. It was, we didn't realize till after we moved out that, that the dog food was being eaten more by the mice than it was by the dogs. It was, it was terrible, and yet we thought this would be a great idea. And so Tobe called up the president's office at ACU and said, hey, can, can we talk to, to Royce? And, of course, you, you don't get a straight line to him. I think we had to talk to a secretary of a secretary before finally we we got to him and said, would you like to come over for, di- for dinner, uh, you and your wife? And he said yes. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden what we thought was like a funny kind of joke, like wouldn't that be neat? All of a sudden we were like, oh, no this is in the spring uh, of that year which meant that we had six months of destroying that house and so we realized that we had to clean it i mean because we were about to have in our our minds this is like the, the the biggest most important person that we knew the president of of the university was coming over and i think that was the first time we might have cleaned the bathroom and we were just we we were shocked to think that that they were gonna be in our house. So we started cleaning everything up the best that we could and we pulled all of our money together and we splurged uh, and got one of those big frozen lasagnas. (laughs) I mean, what else do you make? I mean, we didn't have anything else to offer to them. So we we got the really big lasagna uh, and made sure we cooked it right. We got the bag of salad and we put it in a bowl. We didn't serve it, eat it out of the bag like we normally would have. Uh, we tried to get some some uh, dressing uh, that wasn't expired, and it was and the French bread with the garlic, and we were just so excited. Uh, and ended up we had this the tiny tiny dining room. I, I can't remember. I think we borrowed another table from from a friend's house and put them together because it ended up being up to three of us. And our our three significant others Jennifer was my plus one uh, along with uh, Royce and Pam money and so we had eight people crammed into this this tiny little dining room eating frozen lasagna um, that we of course had reheated um, or I guess you'd say heated for the first time and it was just a really special experience uh, w- the whole dinner ended up lasting several hours. Royce and, and Pam uh, showed up and Pam brought a, this big casserole dish of dessert. And honestly, I can't remember what the dessert was, but I do remember this. It was so much dessert that we couldn't eat it all in one sitting. And so she just said, keep the dessert in the casserole dish. And when you get done, you can just drop it off at you know Royce's office. Which I got to do that, which was really cool because, you know, I'm, I'm walking, you know, into the president's office. Oh, I just need to return Pam's uh, dish to her. You know, she's we're on a first name basis. And we talked about some of the just most down to earth, crazy things. We we talked about Royce growing up on a farm. And I, I, I grew up in the city, as did my roommates, and so we didn't know a whole lot about that. He talked about uh, some some different things. We even somehow got on the subject of how you give um, uh, large animals uh, like medicine, like Advil or aspirin or whatever, and he described this kind of a kind of slingshot device that you would put into the mouth. And I just remember, I'm like, I'm sitting here with Royce Money, and we're talking about giving a big horse pill to this animal and it was just the most surreal experience and 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 that was a really long time ago in fact i I had to do the math that was a quarter of a century ago 25 years ago over that time i have had thousands and thousands of meals but if you ask me what was the most memorable meal that i ever had It was sitting in this shanty of a house that we tried our best to clean up eating lasagna with the president of ACU. And he was the most down-to-earth, fun, interesting guy. He and Pam were special. In fact, even after that experience, there have been times that that i visited with him and i said you probably don't remember this but we had you over at our house and he said i will never forget that he's like it is not very often that you get invited to come over uh, and eat eat dinner with some students it was so very special to us now i will go ahead and make this connection because it will come up in class if i don't just go ahead and put it out on the table uh, several years ago, there was uh, a thing called Elder Link, and it's when um, uh, some churches put on uh, a sort of uh, a convention in which they allow elders to come in and they talk about different things, and it just so happens that Royce Money was speaking at one of those uh, classes. And he started off with class saying, you know, it's it's tough being an elder these days, he said uh, just uh, we don't get to do a lot of things that we used to do but there's one thing that we still get to do he says we still get to hire and fire preachers and ever since then Scotty Holloman just picked up on that and just remembered that and so anytime anytime that I do something that that is perceived as well I don't know about that he'll just he'll he'll yell out in the middle of class Royce money. And everybody we know what that means that means that you know what I, I better straighten up but that that moment that dinner that we had with Royce money was so incredibly special 25,000 meals have passed since that day and yet I still can picture that moment In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is in the middle of addressing uh, the seven churches. And He's going to get to this one church that we're probably more familiar with what He says to them than anybody else. It's the church in Laodicea. Does anybody remember off the top of their head what He says? He says, you guys are lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold. But because you're neither hot nor cold, because you're lukewarm, warm. I'm going to spit you. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And then he's going to go on and say this. And some of you, hopefully this will be familiar to some of you who who jumped onto Facebook this last Monday morning and we talked about our verse for the week. It's from Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with that person and they with me that we are invited to have a meal a dinner with jesus now i want to go back for just a moment to that that scene 25 years ago when, when we had the idea and we had the nerve and we had the follow through to call Royce and say, Hey, would you like to come over for dinner with us? And he and his wife, Pam, they drove over. They're standing at the front door. She's holding the dessert with her. He's knocking on the door. And all of a sudden, that's when it really hits. The six of us were scurrying around. The women had to help us out because we did not know what to do with setting the table. So we get everything ready. And the door is knocking. Royce is at the door. And we go, oh man, he's finally here. And I turn and I look at Tobe and I say, "Tobe, would would you get the door?" And he goes, "Oh man, I am too nervous. I just I I cannot do Scott, will you get the door? Uh-uh, no way. And we stood there and just I can't do it. This is just, I'm, you know what? There's so much going on. Honestly, I have some homework I need to get. Isn't that the craziest idea? For the church in Laodicea they had invited Jesus into their lives but but when he showed up they weren't really ready maybe they were busy maybe they were distracted they were just caught in this lukewarm and I'm not trying to be judgmental I'm trying to be confessional because maybe this says as much about me as it does about you all but isn't it hard To invite Jesus to dine with you every week? I mean, it's it's really pretty difficult. I'm not going to lie. And yet Jesus speaks to the church and He says, Look, I'm, I'm at the door. I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and you open up the door, I will come in. And this is one of those days now we're still a few minutes away but in a minute we're going to specifically ask Jesus to come and eat with us can you imagine what that would be like I don't know if Leonardo da Vinci got it right he 1,500 years after the Lord's Supper, I suspect that maybe he missed it just a little bit. But I think about that scene of the Last Supper, and I think, what would it be like to be there? To hear the interaction that would take place between Jesus and the apostles. Even the conversation that he has with Judas. when he picks up the wine glass and he describes it as being his blood when he takes the loaf of bread and he breaks it and he talks about his body being broken it would be a moment i would never ever forget and yet every week We attempt to model it, and sometimes we do so with limited success. Once again, in our defense, it can be hard to keep up that zeal and make every Lord's Supper impactful. I'm in my my mid-40s now. I was baptized when I was 13 years old. I've participated in around 1,700 communion meals. And they've been quite varied over the years, even though we do so many things similarly. You can remember just a few years ago, now it seems like decades ago, that we would would pass the tray. We We would pass the plate and people would would take that that cup with him. And for years, a part of, of the Lord's Supper, in my mind, was the sound of the cups going back into the little metal slots. I can remember communions that took place at camps. I can remember some communions that took place in in large auditoriums with thousands of people. Some of the most memorable communions that I can remember took place for me uh, on a Sunday evening when we would go to the university church in Abilene. And their setup was so very different. Rather than passing trays, they had all the the tables with the sacraments lined on the outside uh, walls of the, the auditorium. And they would just begin singing. And they would have about 15 minutes of singing. And they said, whenever you feel ready whenever your heart is right, then you can go there as an individual or you can go there with somebody else and you can commune and allow that to be a special moment. And those those were times that I remember and I hold dear to me. But what about this morning? What happens when in a few minutes you're going to take that little plastic cup and you tear off the bottom and take the sacrament of the bread. And then again after a prayer, you'll take the juice. How do we make it special? I want to spend just a few moments and I want to talk about, read through some of the different scriptures that we have regarding the Lord's Supper. And all of these are ones that you have heard before. But I want you to just allow yourself to be in this moment and think about what those elements mean that we are going to partake of. Paul says, For what I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus... On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And after he had given thanks, he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Now this is something that was modeled by the first century church that Paul had called them to do, but it actually goes back to what takes place in Matthew chapter 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, He gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks over it, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you the truth, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This is something that they had heard throughout Jesus' ministry. And honestly, the first time that they heard it, it was somewhat of a shock. In fact, it probably should be a little shocking to you as well. Imagine hearing for the first time someone talking about the fruit of the vine, the wine, the grape juice and saying "This, this is blood. And this bread that you take, this is my body that you eat. It was quite disturbing to the crowd of people who had just eaten because Jesus had provided a miracle. But Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Just stop for a second and hear those words. He's a rabbi, he's wise, he's a miracle worker, he possibly is the Son of God. But none of that seems to make sense when he says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was confusing, they didn't understand it. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Guys, doesn't that sound a little crazy? Several years ago, I was I was looking through um, an, an article talking about mistakes that churches make that push people away. And they talked about everything from from the lighting that you have to making people stand up when they're visitors. And then they got on this when they said, Hey, listen, we've got to stop talking about this idea of eating flesh and drinking blood. It freaks people out. They don't like it. They're going to run away. Stop talking about it. And Jesus says, unless you do this, you will have no part of me. I want to close out with one more passage. It also is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is the part that really sticks with me. He says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A person ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. I know for some of you, this is number 2,850. But this morning, I want you to imagine that at the door is Jesus and He's knocking. And He says, I want to come in and share this moment with you. I want you to be reminded of just how much I love you. Why is that, that little cracker so important? Because it reminds us of his flesh. The fact that he chose to come as a human being, made himself nothing to be here for all of you. And in just a moment, when you take that small sip of grape juice, that is a reminder of His blood. He didn't just come to live for you. He came to die for you. That He gave up His life for all of you. And in any other story, it is a sad funeral. But in just a moment, when we partake of those sacraments and we remember his flesh and his blood it is a celebration of what that means for you and how we are all saved and we are proclaiming the lord's death and his resurrection because of this meal this morning i invite you To open up your heart and your eyes as we remember Jesus, his sacrifice, and having a meal with him. Please join me as we stand and sing.